The only question that matters is, are you willing to abandon your life? This is the great question. Are we willing to let go of body and mind? To let go of our eyes and our ears, our feelings, our thoughts. Are we willing to let go of ourselves? This is the question. Naturally, many of us have certain experiences of letting go of our lives. Perhaps we're in some extreme circumstance, caught in the wilderness, it seems that we may die, and we face that. Some people try to approach this with various substances, But the point isn't to have this or that experience. The question is phrased carefully. The only question that matters is, are you willing to abandon your life? The act of letting go. This is what matters. The act of letting go. To be forced to let go by something outside doesn't help. That's not the point. It may help us to know that there is such a thing as letting go. However, unfortunately, in my experience working with people, It isn't always the case, but it is often the case that when a person is forced to let go by something outside, in fact, they become less able to let go. Receiving help from something outside doesn't help. Because the great question is, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to do it right now? I didn't say that the only question that matters is, were you willing to abandon your life? I didn't say that the only question that matters is, will you be willing to abandon your life? The question that matters is, are you willing to abandon your life? As we practice in this awakening period, the basic way that we bring ourselves to studying this question 
is by using a technique that allows us to not think. The thinking is what holds this package of suffering together, this bag of resistance. Therefore, the technique either makes sure that we only think in certain circumscribed ways, or in fact, it cuts off thinking entirely. Too many of us have the sense that there are certain thoughts which are reasonable to think. But in fact, it's this thought that has to be cut through. Somehow see that unless the technique requires a certain thought, every thought is wrong. Every thought is the wrong thought. When people see this, well, then their practice takes off. But for too many of us, we have the sense certain thoughts make sense. For example, I should remember that every thought is wrong. That thought is right. But no. The act of thinking, for most of us, is not possible to disentangle from clinging. Eventually in our practice, we can tell the difference between thinking and clinging, and that is quite an adventure. Then we begin to walk the journey of using thinking. However, in this circumstance, Every thought is to be let go of. If you're still making sure that you're not thinking, know that that is thinking. To have the sense, I shouldn't be thinking, is thinking. Therefore, we cut it all off. And by doing that, we cut off the conduit, the, the basic method of trying to make this about me. Now, in many circumstances, it's good to know that this is about me. Of course, that's a very good thing. At the beginning of the path, it's good to know. This is all about me. What stage is that? That's the stage of infancy. Infants should know. Everything is about me. That's okay. Parents should take care of them and let everything be about them. You should be treated as royalty. And at the end of the path, we should, we should have come to the realization that it's all about me. All of you have come here just to help me walk the path. The Buddha arose in the world for me so that I could walk this path. 
Every time any of you says something nice to me, it's to help me walk the path. Anytime any of you says anything mean to me, it's to help me walk the path. When there's food, it's to help me walk the path. When there's no food, it's, help, it's to help me to walk the path. Everything is just about me. But in the middle, it's most essential to see that this is not about you. And so the basic question for us to ask here, the question that I would ask you is, are you the protagonist in your own life? We have to go through stages as we explore this question. Are you the protagonist in your own life? Are you the, the thing that moves your life forward? Are you the center of your life? Now, at first, of course, we're children. We're children in this path. What does it mean to be a child in this path? Well, it, to be a child means that other people are the protagonist in our lives. And it's important for us to settle into this stage. Many people come here, and it's okay to do this, it's reasonable, come here in order to prolong their childhoods. Many people want to be infantilized by the structure, the rules, the teachings, the ideologies. They want other people to tell them how to think, what to do, because we want to remain children a little longer. Now, there's a value in this, of course, because sometimes childhood didn't go so well for us. We, we made a lot of mistakes. The challenges were too high, and so we didn't handle things well, and so we want a second shot at it. We want to figure out a way to be a better child. We want to find a way that people tell us what to do and we can handle that with skill. We want to find a way that people can treat us badly and we can handle that with skill. We didn't know how to do that as a child. We want to find a way for people to treat us well and we handle that with skill. We didn't know how to do that as a child. It was confusing. It was difficult. And it's normal as we walk this path to regress into childhood. This is very helpful. If we're not willing to regress, well, then it's very difficult to purify our minds at the deeper levels. Therefore, when you come to a place like this, it's perfectly fine to revert to childhood. Those of us who have lived here for a while have watched many people revert to childhood. They go back and they act like little kids, even toddlers, just screaming and whining because things aren't going their way. We see this all the time. And if this happens to you, we'll know that's okay. That's the reason that we've made this environment. So that it's possible for you to act like a child and work it out this time. Be a better child. A better child doesn't mean you're the sort of child you wish you could have been. Being a better child means that in that child mind, you know how to practice. You learn how to practice from the mind of a child. It has been said in many traditions that to walk this path, for example, to enter the kingdom of heaven, one must have the mind of a child. So, <clears throat> it's good. But we should also know this can't be the end. 
And in, in particular, our challenge is to keep this innocent, sincere, child mind while growing into the other stages. We gain a kind of childlike mind that can carry us into adolescence and adulthood. We don't need to lose that. The way that we know that we have a childlike mind is exactly that it can carry us along the way, even while the mind matures. And so we have to see that we're not fully there. Just having the mind of a child isn't enough. We know what it's like. Children may think that everyone is there just for their benefit, which is to say that if people aren't behaving the way they want them to, then children have a very hard time. It becomes overwhelming. Well, that's okay as a stage, but eventually we should try to grow beyond that. A child maybe is with his mother, she's made dinner, and she's having him help her clean the kitchen. He thinks he's helping to clean the kitchen, but is he really helping? Obviously, it might be easier for her to clean it on her own, but she wants to help him to learn how to clean. And in the same way, around here, we give you various tasks. It would be easier if we did them ourselves, but we want to give you the opportunity to learn how to be of service, to learn how to enjoy being of service. We give you lots of tasks, and you practice doing them and learn gradually how to do them from this mind of a child. And once that's matured, we naturally start to notice the ways in which this isn't enough. Being told what to do from the outside isn't enough. We have to go beyond that. I've been talking with Darren about his experience. Darren is very happy to be here, happy to get to know you. He's very impressed with all of you. He was telling me today how impressed he is, your devotion, your diligence, your strength, sacrifice inspires him. He doesn't know if he could do it. He said, there are lots of people to, that, that should come here just to see how you live because it's so inspiring. Many of the people who, who are this devoted, however, haven't yet found their calling. We do the quest, why? Well, it's available and seems interesting, nature is pretty, but it isn't so clear why we're doing it. And I said, yes, it's, it, it is like that. People go to interviews, for example, why? Well, it's there. The interview order just keeps on revolving. I'm in it. So I go and Hopefully, sir, you will awaken me or something. I'll just sit there and hope something happens to me. 
And this is what he talked about. He said, he's listening to people talk, and they just sort of talk and talk and talk and talk about themselves. Keep looking at him every now and then, hoping, will you please tell me what I'm trying to say? And he listens, and he often can tell them what they're trying to say. And they say, oh, Darren, you're so wise. And he feels good. I'm so wise. But at the end of it, he feels like, what did I just do for the past four hours? Telling people what they were saying? Why? At a certain point, we have to make a decision. We have to do it for ourselves. He said that someone came up there <clears throat> during this period, and they sat next to the fire, and he was doing some chores and such around, and the smoke was blowing right into their face. And he walked by, and they said, boy, the smoke is really tough. But he, he said, you know, you don't have to sit there. I mean, here's the fire. The smoke is being blown right into your face. You don't have to sit exactly there. You could sit some other place. And they said, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So they moved a foot or two, still right in the smoke. He thought, okay. That's how it is. He said, he said, sometimes it's time to be the rock in the river. That's how it is sometimes. Sometimes as we do the training, we just have to be the rock in the river for a while. Just the thing that obstructs the flow of the universe. Make it hard. And he said, boy, Sorry, you really have these people in a pickle. You've really got them. They really are right in their most stuck place. And if they can break through that, boy, suddenly they'll be able to sit some other place around the fire where there's no smoke. That would be great. At a certain point, we have to see, I need to take a step forward. I am the one who has to do this. I need to go to that interview and demonstrate something, not just hope that something will happen to me. I need to at least remember what I'm working on, work on it, and then show something that I have actually realized. I know that this is unimaginable. This shift is very hard to imagine. I'm just telling you about it for later so that if it happens to you, you can know, oh, this is okay. It's okay for me to decide. I am going to do this. This is the basic point. Darren was making this point, that at first in the past, we're always asking the questions and hoping someone would give us the answer, but eventually we realize, I need to answer a question. What is the question that nature, the universe, is asking me that I need to answer? So eventually we make the shift and we become an adolescent in this path. And when we're an adolescent, that means I am the protagonist in my life. I am going to be the protagonist. I'm going to move things forward. This is an essential stage. In this stage, 
I learn to take responsibility. And one of the main steps that we take as we enter this training, as we move through the years of training, is that we naturally move from being a child in which basically we feel like it's all just happening to me. And then we hope if I just stick around long enough, enlightenment will happen to me also, and virtue and strength and all the good things eventually will just sort of happen to me. to realizing, no, I need to make use of what is offered. I have to do this. I have to take responsibility. Because it's very possible to stay in a place like this for many years and never shift into this stage. And then people look at us and think, gosh, is that all the training does? Train for five, ten years and this is all that happens? We don't want to let this stagnation take place. Eventually, it's time to decide, I will take responsibility. I now will stop complaining about how other people don't label food well enough. I will stop complaining about how you all aren't mindful enough. I will stop complaining about how you all don't consider my feelings sufficiently. If you would all just be different, well, then I could practice. But you're not different, are you? Well, get on it, and then maybe I'll get to work also. Eventually, this mind passes away, and we realize I am the one. I am the one who has to do this. This is a huge shift, because we stop thinking, I'll practice once I find the perfect place to practice. Once I find the perfect place to practice, then I'll practice. This is very normal for us. And people travel around until one day they realize it doesn't really matter where you are. The point is you have to practice here. And then they practice. And this place right here becomes a temple, a monastery, for the first time. People who actually see it that way are the people who make a monastery into a monastery. This is a huge step forward in terms of our confidence. And it usually happens because we've done virtuous acts and we've attained a certain amount of ability to cut off the thinking patterns that have held us in the child stage. However, it's very good in any case to have some kind of ceremony in order to help people to enter this adolescent stage. Because this is the stage when my medicine, my wisdom has to come forth. So most cultures have a ceremony like this. And I'm sorry that you, I suppose all, everyone here, was brought up in a culture without such a ceremony. I apologize to you for having failed to transform this culture sufficiently. But please know that a culture that doesn't have such a ceremony probably doesn't want people to enter this stage. It probably wants people to remain children. A culture without a ceremony that demands of you that you bring forth your own wisdom as an adolescent may want everyone to remain a child so that they don't rock the boat. 
Cultures eventually come to a point of stagnation when their stability is the most important thing. And then it's very important to oppress young people so that they don't bring forth their wisdom. And most people here have been brought up in just that culture. And have been trained to not take a step forward. Well, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, tough luck. To complain about that is being a child. To realize, okay, then I'm the one who has to bring forth my own wisdom in order to make a transformation, that means you've become an adolescent. And I want to say something very clear in terms of this point of shifting into adolescence. Uh, you're old. If you're 25, you're old. You're not young. I have the sense that a lot of you have been told that it's okay, you're still young. If you're 15, you're young. If you're 18, you're an adult. And if you're in your mid-20s, you're old. I'm sorry, but one of the ways that the cultures try to keep us from taking these steps is by telling us again, you have plenty of time. There's plenty of time. You're only 23. You have plenty of time. But when you're 23, you don't have plenty of time. You should have found your medicine a decade ago. That's the normal time that humans find their medicine. That's when you're typically sent out into the wilderness to find your truth. You're not allowed to enter this society as an adult, typically, until you have brought forth something. If you're in your 20s, you're old. Please don't use this to beat yourself up. You use to become an adolescent and use this to realize there is urgency. This has to be done now. It is time, and the world situation requires it. The world situation also doesn't give you time. If you're in your 20s, you're capable of not just taking care of yourself, but taking care of other people. And it's time to start doing that. So what is it in you that will come forth in order to take care of other people? Well, the first thing is, know that <clears throat> even when we tell you to do something, we can tell you to do something. But know you have the opportunity then to bring forth the decision to do it. You still have to be at somewhat at this stage just to decide to do the thing you were told to do. You're the one who has to make that decision. And it happens all too often that I'll tell someone to do something and they just won't really do it. They'll be told to do it and then they just don't do it. 
I don't remember, confused, not really sure. Rather than being able to decide, this is the thing that I'm going to do now. Please practice that here. We've intentionally set up this whole place so that you can make a decision like that and mess it up badly and there won't be very many serious consequences. Okay, we've given you certain things, certain tasks to do, and if you mess them up, it's basically okay. Please see that. If you're in society and you make a little mistake driving a vehicle, there can be terrible consequences. But what's the mistake you're going to make around here? You're going to put a chair in the wrong place. Then we're going to get mad at you and say, what are you doing? You're incompetent. Don't put the chair there. We already told you to put it there. You agreed to put it there, didn't we? Didn't you? Do it! And then you say, oh, I'm so terrible. And then you move the chair. But it's just a chair. We all know it's just a chair. You're just given the opportunity to work through your stuff where, why didn't I put it in the place where I knew I should put it? What was going on in that moment in my mind? And then you get to see it. You get to see. You get to identify the patterns that made you incapable of doing what you knew you should do. That's the point. And then once you've identified it, you decide, I'm going to cut that off right now and change my life. That's the point. You take charge in that way. And so we <clears throat> give opportunities of leadership to people who are at this stage or are trying to get to this stage. And typically it's difficult. We see the mistakes that people make. Generally, they make the mistake of making a lot of new rules. There's this sense at this stage that what the world really needs is, is rules. I think this whole place would be better if there were more rules. Just so you all know, 90% of the rules around here I didn't make, and a lot of them I don't even know about. I learn about new rules all the time that people make up. The basic way that you know that a leader is a beginning leader is that they make more rules than they rescind, than they cut off. If, if there's a leader and there are more rules, then you know, hmm, keep, keep up the good work, but you got a little ways to go. Because what a leader should be able to do is demonstrate. Not, it's not that there should be no rules. That would be weird to make a rule about how there can be no rules. No need for that hypocrisy. It's okay if there's some rules, but the question is, are we overly dependent on rules? Do we think if we can just make enough walls, everyone will be okay? But instead of that, there's something that needs to come forth from us. There's an inspiration that's needed. There's something that has to come out of us that isn't us. And in order to find that, well, we've moved from being a child, in which other people are the protagonist in our lives, to being an adolescent, which means I am the protagonist in my life. But now we try to take the step into adulthood. 
when we truly have our medicine and can offer it, when we go beyond being the, the point of our lives, we go beyond that, go beyond being the person who is running my life. This is how we become an adult. When the Dharma is the protagonist and there's no more my life. This is a huge shift. And many people have been trying really hard just to get into adolescence. And then suddenly it turns out there's something else. Because being a child, being an adolescent, these are two different ways of doing a similar thing. But becoming an adult is completely different. The Dharma, the truth, our medicine is the protagonist. And there's just no more sense, my life. Once we enter this, then the quality of leadership can be measured by how many rules are dropped, how many rules are no longer necessary because this person's inspiration is offered to the world. The person in this stage simply becomes what's needed moment by moment. Just like Guan Yin, any of you know about Avalokiteshvara in the 25th chapter of the Lotus Sutra, we learn about how it is that Guan Yin, Avalokiteshvara, becomes exactly what each person needs. When Guan Yin sees that a person needs a child, they need a child in order to walk their path. Then Guan Yin becomes a child, manifests as a child so that that person will receive just what they need. They see that the person needs an adult. They become an adult and offer that person just what they need. They, Guan Yin looks around with her thousand eyes and reaches out to meet people with her thousand hands and sees Oh, this person needs a man. Very good. She becomes a man. Then she's, oh, this person needs a woman. So he becomes a woman. Becomes just what is needed in each moment. Needs a tree, becomes a tree. Needs a bodhisattva, becomes a bodhisattva. Needs a politician. Guan Yin becomes a politician. And it may seem as if others are now the protagonists in this person's life, but actually it is not the same as being a child. At one point, the Buddha was talking to someone who said that they had learned the teaching that to be enlightened means that you don't do or say anything that would do harm. And he said, well, in that case, then a newborn baby lying prone on its back is enlightened because they're not doing or saying anything that does harm. They're just lying there, whimpering a little bit sometimes. 
That isn't enlightenment. Enlightenment means that the underlying tendencies towards grasping that cause the behaviors that result in harm, that those underlying tendencies are cut, are abandoned, are dropped, are relinquished. It's reasonable as a child to think everything's about me and so I will receive your guidance for my benefit. That's completely reasonable. Children should have that. But then we move through the stage of realizing, no, I am the one who has to do things. Sometimes teenagers in our society get mad at everybody. You're so stupid. You don't know how to do anything. But that's just because they haven't been given the opportunity, in fact, received the demand, that they bring forth their wisdom. So they're just trying to get themselves out of this trap, and the only way they know how is with anger. But in a reasonable culture, it is expected. You will have your wisdom. It has to be real. It's not like it is so much nowadays, where you just say, there's an adolescent who says something stupid, and you say, yeah, that's true, you're so wise. You actually demand, you have to have a realization, and you have to say something that none of us have ever thought before that is beneficial to our entire society. And you're 14, and we're waiting. Get on it. And it's actually demanded. Something real is demanded. And if they come up with something fake, they're called out on it. That's not an actual vision. That's just what you want to do. Go back out in the woods for four more days. We're not going to put up with that. Our world depends on your wisdom. So get on it. There's that actual force. And because of that, a person is stripped of themselves. Because of that, everything that comes forth is seen as the Dharma, and then that person is capable of expressing it. In this way, the Dharma is the protagonist. The sense of me and you, my life, that is dropped. So it's not like being a child anymore. I have a friend who had a huge shift when he himself had a child. And he talked about this. He said the strange thing about being a father is that one day you're you. And you know how to be that person. You play your guitar in the evening because you enjoy it. You go for a jog in the morning because you enjoy it. You're a nice guy. You're sweet, caring. And then the next day, you have a completely new identity. And you don't know how to be that person yet. You are a person who you don't know how to be. That is a father. You are a father. There's the child. <laughs> That's your daughter right there. You're definitely a father. Everyone knows it. But you don't know how to be a father. You've never been a father before. It's your identity. But you don't know how to have that identity. What is definitely clear 
is that you can't play your guitar when you want to anymore. That's clear. But you enjoyed playing your guitar. You don't get to enjoy that anymore. Instead, you're doing sleep training. You're changing diapers. Sleep training in diapers is not as fun as playing your guitar. And yet, as you do it again and again, you begin to actually enjoy sleep training, changing diapers, because you enjoy a love for something larger than yourself, for something beyond yourself. And the way he put it was, you have to be a different kind of person to enjoy sleep training more than playing a guitar. You have to become a different kind of a person. You have to learn how to be a father. And once you've done that, sometimes you can play your guitar and sometimes you can't. But what you know for sure is that you would never want to go back to being that person who needs that kind of happiness. You would never want to go back. If you could grow in that way into this new sort of a person, it's a better kind of a person. In the same way, we sit and then something is born. Our medicine, the Dharma, is revealed. We have to become a different kind of a person in order to live that. The most significant thing about this kind of a person is that this kind of a person doesn't have a life. This kind of a person was never born and never dies. How does this kind of a person enjoy moving through this world? Most of all, this kind of a person is capable of facing reality. And basically, when you train here, you're learning how to face reality. This has to be our focus. Can we face reality? If we can't face reality, then we can't be trusted however good our intentions are. If we keep on going insane, if we keep on basing our identities on delusion, if we can't face things as they are, then we can't be trusted in the end. However, loving and caring and thoughtful we are. Can we actually face reality? And meditation, if we want it to be put in just two words, is facing reality. We sit here and we see the floor. And that's it. Face reality. And then we don't face reality. No, we have a thought about the floor, or we have a thought about something else. And we don't even know we're having a thought. We're caught up in the thought, this is not facing reality. Or we have the sense, if I just keep on doing exactly the same thing forever, it'll be different soon enough. 
That's insane. It is not facing reality. We have pain in our bodies. We can practice just staying with it. Just staying with it, but we don't stay with it. But then we do stay with it. But then we don't. But then we do. But then we don't. But then we do. This is the practice of facing reality. What is happening is what we face. We don't get caught up in thoughts about it, stories about it, conceptual proliferation about it. Instead, we stay with it. And we see how it is that we're clinging to those thoughts, stories, concepts. And that that clinging, that very clinging, is exactly what makes us untrustworthy. Exactly the thing that we think makes us trustworthy is what makes us untrustworthy. The clinging to our way of seeing things. We think there's this way of seeing things. As long as I cling to it, I'm trustworthy. But in fact, clinging to that way of seeing things is precisely what prevents us from facing reality. Therefore, we are not trustworthy. As we sit, as we meditate, seeing more and more clearly, not willing to look away, not willing to look away, whatever experience comes, that's exactly what we stay with. In this way, we are completely helpless. We're totally helpless. There's nothing we can do about anything. And at that time when there's nothing we can do about anything, that's the time when what needs to happen takes over. Why does it take over? Because when we get to this place of facing just this, it becomes clear that this is not about me. If we stay right here, there is no my life to be found here. And we face it, and we face it. And why? In order to be broken by it. It's not that being broken is so bad. If you hear me say that and you think, oh no, I don't want to be broken, that's just because of clinging. Being broken open is not inherently bad. It's just bad if we resist it. We can say that we get broken by suffering, but in fact, when we get broken, it is just suffering that gets broken. But if we haven't studied this, if we haven't stayed right here, looked at exactly this without looking away, if we're still trying to gather control and make things happen the way we think they're supposed to happen so that finally I can be right, then we haven't even started this path. 
We don't know the first noble truth yet. Of course, it isn't just about pain. The point isn't just the pain side of suffering. There is a side of suffering that is painful, but there's a part of suffering that's worse than the part of suffering that's painful. The part of suffering that's painful, we know actually it comes and goes. We know that pain comes and goes. But there's an aspect of suffering that's worse than that, that's more suffering than pain. And those of us who know pain know that pain can be really bad. Even just physical pain can be really bad. Perhaps some of you have had the opportunity to explore real physical pain. It gets really bad. Just physical pain can be terrible. But to my knowledge, and I've explored physical pain to a certain degree, physical pain doesn't get as bad as emotional pain. Emotional pain can get uh, uh, really bad. Uh, Emotional pain can get Well, perhaps some of you had the chance to explore this. Emotional pain can be truly overwhelming in a way that even the most intense physical pain isn't. And intense physical pain is really bad. And yet I'm telling you that there's a side of suffering that's even more suffering than even the greatest physical and emotional pain. Now that's a large claim. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that as we see this, as we face this clearly, we see that there is nothing to depend on. That there is nothing anywhere to depend on. That is extreme suffering. That is what breaks us. We walk this path so that it becomes easier and easier for us to be broken. Because this us that gets broken is just suffering. We hear about it, we hear these words, be broken by suffering. And we think, oh no, that would be terrible. We want to avoid that at all costs. But actually, that is what we do this for. And it's not terrible. Resisting that is what's terrible. Resisting that is suffering. Resisting, experiencing suffering is suffering. To completely experience suffering without resistance is the end of suffering. Of course, we practice and things get confusing and awful sometimes. And we are, in fact, more clear and we think that that's clarity, but it's not yet clarity. I was very fortunate. I, I went deep into it and found a terrible sadness within and thought that I was clear that this is the truth, the bottom. But I was fortunate to have a teacher who said, this is not clarity. And I'm telling you, this is not clarity. Suffering is not clarity. But if we stay with it and have that experience completely, then precisely the thing that is resisting that breaks. And when that breaks, that is the end of suffering. We practice so that that will happen more and more easily. That that will happen 
with more and more skill so that it will result in true insight. That insight is the realization that to abandon everything is happiness, to accumulate, acquire, hold on to anything is suffering. And what is it that most of us hold on to most clearly? Our thoughts. What we, we can see this. This, is, this can be made clear for us in meditation. That's why we focus on it, to clearly see it's true. I am holding on to my thoughts. I can't even go a half an hour without thinking. I mean, I can go half an hour without a lot of things. A lot of things that I want, I can go a half an hour without it. You can be addicted to alcohol terribly, and you can still go half an hour without a drink. But I'm even more addicted than that to thinking. So how will I break free of this clinging? That becomes the clear question, so that I can get out of this rut. We dedicate ourselves to that, to break free of that clinging, the clinging to thoughts, so that the whole sense of my past, my future, my present is abandoned. Just that act of abandoning is what saves the world. That is what is needed. We're doing this so that even one person here will directly see that. Will directly see that my whole strategy has been mistaken up until this time. It's about relinquishing. And then we have the experience of actually shedding, of actually cutting away body and mind, and discovering a new wisdom. A wisdom that has nothing to do with me, even though it was necessary in order to realize that wisdom, that I make it be about me, that I am the one who's going to make this happen. Having, of course, received the gifts from others in order to prepare us for that. This very act of letting go is what matters. Just that act of letting go right now. How to do it. How to face reality right now. How to let go of everything I think about it right now. How to do that. That's the question that we have come here to answer. Not just to ask, but to answer. How can I become willing to abandon my life? How does that happen? How does this path unfold? Please investigate this. Question this. Don't just think you know the answer. That's just one more thought. Actually, do it beyond any understanding. Do it now. Exactly the thing you think you're supposed to do is what has to go. How will you practice without that? As I say, you have to use thoughts to get to that time you receive. I've gone over this again and again. But at a certain point, how will you let go of even that? What kind of path unfolds 
without me running it, without me holding on to this egotistical stone in my heart that wants to control everything and make it be the way I think it should be. How can it unfold beyond that? This is the question for us. We're here to practice, to deeply investigate this. How to actually do it so that we get good at it. This is our profession now. This is what we're here to do. This is what we're supposed to be experts in. How to cut everything away. First and foremost, our thoughts. And first and foremost within thoughts, our thoughts about ourselves. How to do it. Please be clear on this. We're here in order to learn this, to practice it again and again so that we can apply it in any and all circumstances. When we do that, then we have to face any and all circumstances. We can't wriggle around and mess with them. Instead, we stay right in it not in our own patterns and thoughts about things, but right in it. And because of that, we see there is nothing anywhere to support me. There is nothing anywhere to support me. Every time I try to find support, it's disappointing. It's untrustworthy. It's undependable. And so I suffer. And so the only thing to do is to let go. This is the heroic path that we are here to fulfill. Please, congratulate yourself on moving from the stage which most people never leave, that of a child, to being the very least an adolescent, in which you're the protagonist in your own life, but ideally to go beyond that. To go beyond the sense I am the point of my life. My life should be the thing I want it to be. To completely break free of that, shattering the sense of self. So that this person can bring forth true care for all beings.